Hello and welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, a former D1 Hooper, current high school coach, teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids, and Omari Sankofa II, Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Omari, my guy, this has to be a first. I cannot believe I've seen a new movie before you and before Wes, for that matter. When do you plan on seeing Hustle? I don't know. Hustle just seems like a Bryce movie to me. So this, if I have to pick a movie that you would watch before me, I think it would, it would be that one for sure. Uh, I got to see. Like, I, I feel like week by week, I become more and more overwhelmed by like the sheer amount of just movies and, and, and TV <laughs> that are coming out these days. Like, obviously, like the last three MCU shows, like the last five Star Wars shows, I feel like I'm like drowning. So so we'll see. I, like, I, I do want to see it. I heard it's pretty good. Uh, I'm probably going to see Lightyear this weekend. Uh, after I see Lightyear, I'll, I'll probably try to make it happen early next week because it's not going to get easier once the uh, draft hits, obviously. It does not surprise me that you are prioritizing Lightyear over Hustle since Buzz Lightyear is, what do you say, the the unquestioned number one Disney character ever? Not Disney, what is it? What, Pixar. What was it? Pixar, yeah. Is that bad that I don't know the difference between Disney and Pixar? I mean, they're technically the same thing now. Uh, I feel like Pixar has become more Disney-like over the last however many years since they're known by Disney, obviously. But yeah, like I think I think Buzz is just the most iconic Pixar character ever. Uh, you know, just as somebody who watched Toy Story uh, probably a thousand times between the age of three and nine and ten or <laughs> whatever that, that, that year was. And the context for that, for those who don't know, the Rangers doing like the all-time greatest uh, Pixar characters right now. Last I, I checked, I know Woody and Buzz were in the Final Four, so I'm, I'm ho- ho- hoping Buzz pulls it out, but we'll see. I say you had a pretty strong take about that, and you had a pretty strong take about the new Drake album. I don't know what it slapped. Whenever you say it slapped, I have no idea what that means. But <laughs> but but judging by some of your other tweets, I assume that means you liked it. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not my favorite Drake album, but everybody immediately started hating on it. And it's just a good summer album. You know, it's good tropical kind of house music slash dance vibes whatever you want to talk about uh yeah i mean i like it but i'm at the point now where i'm just i've stopped expecting drake to you know try to make classic albums and it's just something you could drive to you know listen to on a sunny day uh i would recommend it i you know i know it's not it's not a country album bryce but i think you would like it <laughs> hey i was gonna say when you said tropical i'm like what are you talking about i'm in jeans i had to get away from my my tractor here to record this because we're in the middle of harvest so i'm like i don't know nothing about about tropical weather right now. I do want to say, before we get into the episode, I know we need to get started. Hustle was really good. No spoilers coming. Hernan Gomez had a great movie. He did a great job acting. I loved his character. And I do just want to say it was a really good movie. It is a you know prototypical what people would probably think I would like. But great movie there. Before we get started, Omar, we have a great announcement for this week for the Pistons Pulse podcast. We will record. We will stay up after you do all your articles on draft night. We'll record a 20, 30-minute instant, as instant as possible, reaction episode to the Pistons draft. Have that out for our listeners first thing Friday morning. So you guys have been asking for more content. Omari and I are going to deliver with our producers, and we will have an instant recap for you Friday morning. Yeah, it'll be the first time we do two pods in one week, uh, which I'm excited for. I mean, draft obviously is one of the biggest events of the year, so it just made sense to get the instant reaction out. And uh, and this pod might be a little bit shorter just to kind of balance it out. Like we usually do around an hour. Uh, we might do an hour. This one it might be a little bit shorter. We'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. But you know, if you see it, clocks in at like 45 minutes or whatever. It's because we have a second one coming. So we're not shorting you guys on content. We're just going to spread it out this time. 
Absolutely. And then the, the week after, a week from now, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we'll obviously continue to talk about the draft, preview the offseason, summer leagues coming up. I am excited for that. Get to see my guy Omari in person. Uh, maybe we can go out for a meal and, and, and spend some time. But let's get into this. The first thing I want to ask Omari is, Troy Weaver and the Pistons seem to be a little bit quieter about things around the draft, who they bring in to work out, who they like. You don't seem to hear as much about what they're doing and what they like. They keep their cards a little, a little closer to the vest. In your experience, would you agree with that in terms of Troy Weaver and this regime? I agree with that. I know uh, this was before I covered the Pistons, but uh, Stan Van Gundy, uh, when he was in, in charge, they would do uh, you know workouts and have the media come in and talk to guys and whatnot. And um, you know, I'm sure people who follow more than one beat writer on Twitter from different teams, you've probably seen a lot of Twitter updates this week. You know, X team is bringing in X and Y players. I think the, the Pacers have been pretty public about that. Uh, but yeah, radio silence from the the Pistons. Some front offices are just that way. They don't, uh, you know, have guys come in and do media interviews. You know, which I had more insight on the why, but uh, you know, it's probably a better question for. <laughs> for uh Trey, but that's just how some front offices are uh, they're a little bit more more cagey with whatever information gets out uh so yeah i mean for a beat writer it just means this time of year is really quiet and uh you know i've been to the practice facility probably since they did their end of season availabilities actually i was going to talk to grant hill last week but beyond that like yeah it's been super quiet for us and it's about to get a lot busier obviously later on this week yeah, just a little subtle. Hey, I got to talk to Grant Hill this week. No big, no, <laughs> no big deal. Shout out. <laughs> hey, I love it. Um, yeah, like I would follow this guy um, that is a, does a Wizards podcast. And every single day, it looked like a media publication of who the Wizards worked out. And sometimes there's some big names. Sometimes it's second round guys, undrafted free agents, you know, just doing their due diligence, which I'm sure the Pistons are doing as well. It just kind of it doesn't bother me. I understand why Troy Weaver and, and the front office would want to be quiet about it. I get it, but it just would be cool. Like, hey, all right, this is who they worked out today. This was the group that they chose. I'm sure there's a whole lot to go into it. I just, I was curious, and I'm sure the listeners were curious if, if you would agree with that. If, if in your experience, it, it did seem like they were a little more quiet about what they were doing or, or didn't at least promote it as much as some other organizations. When I covered the Grizzlies, they were uh, they actually would uh, have guys in for workouts as well. Uh, but I actually don't think we did interviews with those guys. I think they just kind of told us like, "Hey, these guys are here." So uh, yeah, I mean, every team's different, but uh, you know, but I can speak to the fact that the, the Pistons have had guys in. Uh, Keegan Murray was in last week, twelfth and thirteenth. Uh, they've had Shayna Sharp in, uh, Benedict Matherin, in, uh, Johnny Davis. Who am I forgetting? Jaden Ivey. Uh, they had him in for a workout. So just you know, like all the guys who are in, in the mix at that fifth spot uh, have been worked out. And uh, I know Pistons fans will be curious about that. So I just go ahead and put that out there and confirm that. Uh, you know, of course, the Pistons are going to get eyes on as many guys as they, they, they can. And all those guys are in the range for fifth pick. So no real surprises, obviously. Yeah, and I do want to touch on that before we get to some of the guys, because you've been able to talk to some of these guys. So I'm interested to know, you know, is there, have they said anything or did you learn anything about the workouts or, or this process for them? But I do for the listeners – you want Detroit and Troy Weaver to be working out as many of these guys as possible, right? Me and Wes were talking about this morning. Blake Wesley is a guy that came out, and I guess he told a reporter that he had worked out for the Pistons. 
He's not in play at five, or I wouldn't think he's in play at five, but you want to have a scouting report. You want to go through the interview process with Blake Wesley because maybe in four years you want to trade for him or sign him coming off his rookie deal, and you want to be able to go back to those notes and have that experience with him as he was coming into the league. So I don't think Pistons fans should be alarmed whenever we see all these different names that Troy Weaver in the front office have brought in. Yeah, and I think it's, it's even more so than that. You know, the fact that the Pistons could acquire a, a second first round pick, uh, you know, like I don't know for a fact that they will. Stuff to predict that, but he's a guy that could go anywhere between his draft range looks like between 14 and maybe 22 right now. Uh, you know, like any other team, the Pistons are answering the, the phone, listening to offers and whatnot. Uh, you know, Jeremy Grant could be moved for a first round pick. So, uh, you know, it just makes sense to cast as wide of a net as possible and just have a, a game plan for whatever might happen because you don't want a situation where you do acquire a pick and those guys are in that range and you don't know anything about them. So, uh, you know, teams plan for every outcome, obviously back way back when, like March, February, whatever, Pistons don't even know where their pick's going to fall necessarily. So, uh, you know, if you end up with the eighth pick, you know, that's Johnny Davis range. If you end up with the first pick, obviously you're not looking at Johnny Davis, but you prepare for every outcome. So that's all it really is. I know fans sometimes get uptight when, uh, you know, guys who are in the range of the pick come out and say, uh, yeah, like I worked out for them because our fans are like, oh, no, that means we're going to take on. No, like you, like teams do their homework. Absolutely. And I, I, again, I think the fan base should be excited. The more names we hear, the, that means the front office is doing what you would expect them to be doing. So you mentioned Ben Math, Davis, Sharp, Murray, all those guys. And I believe you've had a chance to talk to some of them. I'm sure you've seen some of the quotes. You know, I think it came out in an ESPN article that Sharp worked out with Matherin and Daniels and quote unquote didn't separate himself. I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, Sharp said that he wants to be a Hall of Famer and compared himself to Bill Levine, Kobe George. All these guys are saying this, right? That's what you want to hear them say. You want Benedict Matherin to say he's going to be the best player in the league. Chet Holmgren said the same thing. Is there anything that stood out to you with any of these prospects in terms of your interview with them or any of kind of the reports you've seen around them from the guys in the Pistons range at number five? Honestly, nothing that stands out a lot. Uh, the thing about a lot of the pre-draft interviews is, you know, guys are just saying the, the, the same thing over and over a lot. Um, we did Zoom interviews or are doing Zoom interviews with a lot of these guys over the weekend. And uh, we talked to Keegan Murray and Ben Math on Thursday. And then Shaden Sharp uh, talked on Friday. And that was the first availability I was a part of with him uh, since he skipped doing the media stuff at the Combine. It's just, I think it's tough to get viable info from those types of setups just because most of the questions are have you worked out with x team and what do you think of x player like i know keegan murray like three different kings reporters <laughs> or not not even reporters some of them like ra- like radio guys or tv guys or whatever uh just ask about it like what do you think of the kings how do you fit with De'Aaron fox how do you fit with you know this player that player and when you go back to the transcript it's like there's maybe one question <laughs> That's useful for your purposes. Um, I know Keegan talked about how he fits in with Cade and Sadiq and all those guys, but it's just a lot of how do you fit with X team and with X player. And I wish those interviews were a little bit more in, in, insightful, but that's pretty much all, all it is. So, uh, you know, I think Keegan, like, and I talked about this a few pods ago, just about the combine as a whole. Uh, it was just overall a very insightful interview, just talking about his strengths, his weaknesses. Uh, he seems to have a pretty good grasp of what type of player he is. And I'll say the same thing about Benedict Matherin as well. Um, now, Jaden Ivey, I haven't talked to him either. Uh, and he talks on 
Monday, so the pod comes out after he talks, but we're recording before he talks, so uh, not a whole lot to say about him. But overall, the pre-draft process is just, you kind of hear guys say a lot of the same stuff. They all want to be great. You know, they all want to fit in with whatever team drafts them. Guys typically aren't going to say anything that could lower their stock. Uh, So, you know, you're not going to hear a guy say, oh, I don't want to go to Sacramento or I don't want to go to Houston. Even though they may not send Sacramento their medicals, that seems to be a very, very common theme with some of these guys right now. Yeah, and I heard Sacramento and Houston's having that problem <laughs> a little bit as 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 well, which uh, surprised me. I think that's like a, a yearly issue for Sacramento. So <laughs> whoever they pick, there's probably a decent chance. I mean, assuming that they even keep that pick, there's probably a good chance that it would be a guy that didn't work out for them. Before we go to segment two, which we guys are going to give you the Pistons Pulse consensus mock draft. This was a lot of fun between Amari, Wes, and I. Let's just go through some if-thens with the Pistons big board. So Amari, just... Quick hitters here. If Keegan Murray does go number four to the Kings, Troy Weaver and the Pistons, they will select what player? I'd probably just guess Ivy. I think he has probably the most upside of anyone there. Uh, but I also say right now that, you know, I, like I really do think it's a, a coin flip between a, lo- a lot of guys right now. So uh, I guess my working theory right now is whoever between Keegan and Ivy is there, uh, that's probably who they end up with. Uh, but it also wouldn't shock me if they still ended up with Matherin as well. Uh, but yeah, if Keegan goes number four, Sacramento says we're not going to, you know, double dip on point guards and multiple drafts. We're just going to take the best fit, and that's Keegan. Piss is probably go with Ivy just because that's the highest upside guy there, obviously. If Troy Weaver makes a shocking pick, if, if at number five a name comes across the board and all of us are like, oh my gosh, like we did not see this coming, who is that guy? Who would be the most realistic, shocking pick? for the Pistons at number five? Probably Matherin, just because of all the guys in that range. He's probably the one where you look at most mocks. He's not really projected as a top five guy. He's more in that six through 10 range. Uh, like I've seen mocks with Shaden Sharp going four or five. Obviously, you know, uh, Jaden Ivey and Keegan Murray seem to be pretty firmly top five picks right now. But uh, I know that the Pistons are pretty big fans of Matherin. Uh, I mean, he's probably the safest wing pick in the entire draft. And Look at his fit on the roster. I mean, he feels an obvious deep for the shooting guard. And he's also just a perfect backcourt mate for Kate Cunningham, uh, just being a better athlete, better shooter. Uh, all this supposed to be a pretty good off-ball guy. So that's probably my, you know, if there's a player that's not being mocked at five consistently, but I can see it happening. It's definitely been math. And I know that, you know, I don't know if you muted your mic, but you're probably schooling with Joy right now. <laughs> I don't know how much you like <laughs> been math, so... Omari, I was so embarrassed the other day. I was listening to the I was listening to the Game Theory podcast on the tractor again. Obviously, it's farm. It's my season to be a farmer right now, and since I'm out of school and teaching and all that, and I was listening to Game Theory, and they went through their mock draft, and Sam Vecini was picking for the Pistons at five, and he took Ben Math, and I literally did like the double fist like <laughs> celebration by myself in a tractor, looking like a fool, but I'm like, that's how connected I am with Ben Math and, and my love for him as a player and a prospect and his fit next to Cade Cunningham so I I agree with you real quick I don't think Dyson Daniels Jeremy Sohan like I don't think any of those guys are truly in play at number five maybe again and we'll talk about this at a certain point maybe if the Pistons acquire another first round pick but not at number five yeah I I think those guys were certainly bigger surprises for me than Matherin and those guys are, are great prospects and we'll probably talk about them a little bit more later but uh, I just think they're both just a lot more flawed, you know, than, than a guy like Ben Math, where like you, you just take Matherin, you know exactly what you're getting. Uh, you really don't have to sweat about his fit or anything. And you still got 
a lot of upside as well. I mean, if there was a different team, and I could definitely see uh, Dyson or Sohan probably being in the mix a bit more. But right now, I think I think Math has a much better chance than those two guys for sure. If Keegan Murray goes number five to the Pistons, what percentage chance is there that Jeremy Grant is traded? Uh, sixty. Um, you know, like I think there's a good chance he's traded regardless of who they pick. But if you take Keegan, then Keegan is very clearly an NBA power forward. And you already have pretty strong incentive to move Jeremy Grant now because he's, you know, got this big extension potentially coming up. Uh, yeah, I think that would probably tip the scales from 50-50 trade Grant to maybe 60-40. Uh, I'm really bad at percentages when it comes <laughs> to that stuff. But I would just say it, it be, definitely becomes more likely, I think. I'm in the camp, though. I think you can make it work. I think you can start the season with all three of those guys, a Sadiq Bay, Keegan Murray, Jeremy Grant rotation at the 3-4. Are you in the same boat, or would you, if it was you, would you lean a little bit more to, no, 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 you can't start the season. You've got to start Keegan Murray. You've got to move Jeremy Grant. I, I don't love the idea of that, but I don't hate the idea of that. I don't like the idea of bringing uh, Grant into the season without an extension if you know that you're not going yeah, yeah, to extend yeah. them. Uh, but if that's what you want to do and, you know, Keegan's coming off of the bench, then no, that's not a terrible outcome at all. Uh, you know, like I know typically it's better to avoid those types of log jams, but you're a rebuilding team and like, I don't know, it's probably not that big a deal. I mean, you know, Keegan is a rookie, like he could come off the bench for six months until you figure out uh, exactly what route you're going to go with Grant. So no, it's not a bad outcome at all. And I think it's probably just because Keegan is not quite on that same tier as like the big three of Paolo, Jabari and Chet. Uh, the incentive probably isn't as strong as if you draft one of those guys and then it's just very obviously like, okay, this guy's a future star and uh, let's just go ahead and see what we can get for Jeremy right now. All right, last thing. And then in segment two, we're going to get to that consensus mock draft. Uh, the four prospects we've really talked about at number five, Ivy, Murray, Sharp, Matherin. I want you to give me the percentage that they actually get selected at number four so that they're not on the board. So this is going to have to add up to 100%, Amari. So I'll help along the way as you go through this. I think there's a 70% chance that Jaden Ivy gets selected at number four, whether by the Kings or a trade up. What percentage chance do you think there is that Jaden Ivey gets selected at number four? I'm going to go, uh, I think it's a 45% chance. And I think him and Keegan are uh, more or less a coin flip right now, uh, just because uh, when you look at the rationale for Sacramento trading Tyrese Halliburton, uh, whereas he just didn't fit very well next to Darren Fox. And to me, if Halliburton, who to me is a better defender than Ivey, a much better shooter than Ivey, and probably a better playmaker than Ivey, couldn't fit next to De'Aaron Fox, and it's really hard for me to see how Tina Ivey fits next to De'Aaron Fox, given <laughs> sure. that he is basically the same player as De'Aaron Fox, but maybe not quite as good as a playmaker. If Halliburton and and Fox couldn't fit, then there's no chance Ivy will. And if they're willing to trade Halliburton so early into his career, then if I'm Sacramento and I'm trying to win games next season, then it probably makes more sense to, to take Keegan. So for me, it's probably 45% Ivy, 45% Keegan, and then 10% Shane and Sharp. They're just like, let's just you know take a really big swing here and sharp probably fits better next to Fox long term than, than Ivy does. So that's got my split for the percentages there, but uh, I don't know if Sacramento is going to go with best player available just because I don't know why they would trade Tyrese Halliburton. So they kind of do a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, they're like the biggest wild card in the draft by far. 
Absolutely. It's going to be very, very fascinating to see what they do. So the only place we really differ is I think there's a higher chance that Jaden Ivey goes number four, but I think I'm counting in the possibility of a team trading up into number four and selecting him. So I have him at 70, Murray at 20. I also have Shaden Sharp at 10, and I think there's essentially a 0% chance that Benedict Matherin goes number four, which means there's a 100% chance he would be available at number five for the Pistons. And so We are going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we will give you our Pistons Pulse Consensus Mock Draft. I'm Alyssa Robinson for the Detroit Free Press. When you wake up every morning, what's the first thing you do? Check your email? Me too. And when you sign up for our daily briefing newsletter, you'll get all the latest news sent directly to your inbox so you can wake up and be ready for the day. We also have newsletters about COVID-19 in Michigan, the latest entertainment headlines, as well as Woodward 248, a newsletter specifically for people living and working in Southeast Oakland County. And don't forget about automotive headlines and all the latest news from our Michigan sports teams. We have a newsletter for every personality and preference. Just head to freep.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for any one of these great options and more. All right, guys, we are back, and Omari West and I spent this last week doing a consensus mock draft. So this is what we would do. We are going to talk about what we think will actually happen in the top five just a little bit later, but this draft is what we would do. This mock is what we would do. We've only done this once, but that was before the lottery was set, so now this is our chance to do it with the teams in place, and essentially we each said who we would pick. We did it one pick at a time, took that person off the board, went to the next one. We'll talk about how we broke ties. We did it a very, what's what's the word, scientific way of, of doing that. But we'll explain that in a second. So at number one, Omari, you and Wes both took Chet. I actually took Jabari Smith Jr. for the Magic. You have been a big Chet guy all the way through. One last chance here to talk about why you love Chet so much and why you think you would draft him for the Magic. I think my philosophy uh, with Chet is, well, I mean, for one, I just think he's a great prospect, uh, you know, an elite rim protector. Uh, shot the bar really well, handles the bar really well for a center. And, uh, you know, I think so much is talked about his weight, but I think just from a pure talent standpoint and also the way modern offense is kind of work. You're not drafting him to be Shaq, obviously. Like, you know, like offensively, he doesn't necessarily need a lot of raw strength to kind of do what he's going to be doing. Uh, nor did his lack of raw strength really limit him on offense in college. But it's just really hard to get guys of Chet's caliber at the center position. Uh, you get these types of guys. These types of guys earn in every single draft. And uh, guys with that type of size and skill just impact the game in ways that smaller players can't. So you can make a very strong argument for Jabari or Apollo here. But for me, I'm just taking Chet because I don't know the next opportunity I would be able to get Chet. I took Jabari just because the shooting, I think that's something the Magic could use. Uh, Paolo's actually my number one player, but him and Jabari are kind of 1A, 1B, and I, I like Paolo in a different spot uh, with a different team than the Magic. So I think that if I was with the Magic, I would probably take Jabari. What do you think? I, I do think it's interesting about Chet not sharing his medicals and stuff with some of these teams. It, it didn't come out who. Maybe it is just like the Kings and the Rockets like we talked about earlier. But do you find that interesting that Chet has chosen not to do that for at least a couple teams? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting for sure. Um, you know, like, I don't know which teams he didn't share medicals with, but if I had to guess, I would certainly guess one of those teams was Sacramento, uh, just because it just connecting the dots, it makes sense. And I would also expect Chet would probably not want to fall all the way to four anyway. So that just sort of uh, puts extra pressure, you know, on teams to say, hey, I'm a top three pick. I'm not going to make it easy for you. 
if I fall outside of the top three. You know, these types of reports kind of come out every year at the same time. You know, guys and their agents, you know, their camps, they're going to play games and do different things to sort of influence where they end up. And, you know, and I, can't, I also can't imagine Chet would want to fall outside the top two. So personally, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he didn't share his medicals with the Magic or the Oklahoma City Thunder. But um, again, like I saw that report, you know, for to me, it probably just means that Chet wants to be a top three pick, which is pretty self-explanatory. For our consensus mock, Chet is now off the board. So Oklahoma City at number two. Me and Wes actually took Jabari Smith Jr. Amari, you actually picked Paolo Bancaro. We will go with Jabari Smith Jr., the consensus on this one. But not consensus, that's not the right word. The majority. There we go. The majority on this one, Jabari Smith Jr., but what did you like? Do you like Paolo more as a player than Jabari Smith Jr.? Or were there some fit things that you liked Paolo with OKC? No, honestly, I think just watching the playoffs, I think I just sort of realized that maybe I was overthinking things with Paolo a little bit. Like, yeah, there are some question marks on defense and there are some question marks as far as his shot. But one, it's tough for me to see how a guy with the touch he has just inside and from mid-range won't become at least an average shooter, uh, which when you're 6'10 and handle the ball like he does and – can create plays like he does, you know, I think that's fine. And like, I like Jabari as a prospect, uh, like, you know, elite shooter, like very great tools on defense and you take him at number two, like that's totally fine. I wouldn't argue against that, but I just think Ben Carroll, I just think I was overthinking it. And I think some other people are overthinking it as well. He's 6'10". He's got all the, all, all the, all the tools to be a, a 6'10 version of Tatum or Jalen Brown or whoever. And, uh, you know, those guys get you deep in the playoffs because, you know, big, versatile wings are sort of running the NBA right now along with big versatile centers so uh yeah I just look at Paolo's game and it's just like this guy's a star like I just it's just hard for me to see how he doesn't become a very very good one ball creator and probably a top two guy on a pretty good playoff team at some point you know I like him I say he's number one on my board and he actually with Jabari Smith Jr. actually going to Oklahoma City because I didn't like his fit again there and I know people say well you don't draft for fit these three guys especially the top two for me were close enough that I think you have to take that into account just a little bit I think it can be a deciding factor if they're in the same tier 1a 1b type stuff but as it played out the Rockets we're there with Paolo on the board. All three of us took Paolo Bancaro for the Rockets. I actually think it's a really nice fit. And, and I did just want to mention former Piston Christian Wood actually got traded to the Dallas Mavericks. The Rockets were able to acquire the number 26 pick in this draft as well. We're only going to do the lottery for this mock draft, but I did want to mention that. Let's keep moving along. We talked about Jay Nivey. We've talked about the Sacramento Kings. That's actually who we are going to take here. Me and Wes went with Ivy. You actually went with Keegan Murray, Amari. Again, I think we've talked about this. This was more of a fit thing, right? Like you just don't see the point of the Kings drafting Jay Nivey after all the other guards they've drafted. And then, like you said, moving on from Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, you move on from Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, you already have Darren Fox. You just took Davion Mitchell, who uh, was actually pretty solid last season. He finished the, the season pretty, pretty strong. And, uh, you know, he was a, a high upside pick for them. Uh, like, I don't know if he is, you know, the long-term answer to play alongside Darren Fox full-time or if he's more of a bench guy. But, yeah, it's just, I mean, Ivy and Darren Fox are the same player. And, you know, for Ivy to fit on that roster, he's going to have to become very good at things that he's just okay at right now. You know, which is shooting, uh, you know, off-ball defense, like just all that stuff. Uh, just from a fit standpoint, that is a really bad one. And, yeah, if they move on from Tyrese Halliburton, then I just don't see how they take Ivy and expect a, a better outcome. So if you're just going best player available, which makes sense for the Kings team that, I mean, let's be real, they're not going to win that many games next season, even even if they want to. 
Uh, you should go for best player available, and Ivy is the best player available at four. But just based on what they've done over the past six months, to me, it just seems like Keegan probably makes more sense for them. Uh, but I was overruled. <laughs> you, and, <laughs> you and Wes went with Ivy, which, I mean, on paper, I think that makes more sense. I was just going more off of what I think Sacramento will do. Yeah, I mean, Ivy, you know, he has the upside to be a superstar, uh, needs to become a better shooter, better playmaker. But you can't teach his first step. You can't teach his leaping ability. And... I mean, De'Aaron Fox is good. I think he averaged like 28 a game after the uh, trade deadline. So, you know, clearly he kind of blossomed after they moved on from Halliburton. So, uh, you know, if Ivy can knock down off-ball threes, then that could still work. So there's still some upside there, even if on paper, I just don't think that fit really makes that much sense. Yeah, no, I get it. I don't think the fit is great. But again, this I talked to this a second ago in terms of tiers. Like, I do think Jaden Ivey's probably in a little bit different of a tier than Keegan Murray, Ben Math, and Shane Sharp, you know, et cetera. And so even though the fit is clunky, I do think you just kind of go with best player available because he's in a tier above those guys. Would you agree with that, Amari? Like, I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I'm like, I've I've said between as much as I love Benedict Matherin, I would take Jaden Ivey for the Pistons if he was available at number five. Do you have Jaden Ivey that much? ahead of Keegan Murray, Benedict Matherin and those guys or or do you think they're a little bit more in the same tier? I think they're all in the same tier. Okay. Um, I think you know if I had to bet on you know which guy, well I won't phrase it that way. I would say I think Ivy probably has the best chance of becoming a superstar out of those three guys but uh, just for me like you're a 6'4 guard, like you're sort of a med passer, like you don't really you know pass or see the floor well enough to be a true point guard uh, you know, you shot the ball better than you did your sophomore season, but just an okay shooter, not like a great shooter or anything. To me, I just think there's a realistic chance that um, like Keegan and Ben just end up having better careers. And actually, when you really look at Ben Matherin's playmaking numbers, I don't think, like, I think just as pure seeing the floor, making plays for other guys, like, I don't think there's a big gap between Ivy and Matherin at all. I think they're actually in the same tier. And Matherin may not be quite an Ivy-level athlete, but he's still firmly above average for a wing and also shoots the ball much better. So in my mind, like I think I think all those guys are really in the same tier. Uh simply because I think Matherin and Murray are just are better basketball players. Now, you know, as guys de- develop, yeah, Ivy could overtake them down the road. But right now, like I would say he's probably the third best basketball player of those three. One thing I wanted to make a point of with Benedict, we always give Jaden Ivey the, he played with two bigs. He played in this college system where the floor spacing wasn't very well. Go watch some Arizona games. They played with two bigs a lot as well. They played this high, low, old school type stuff. The floor wasn't always wide open for Benedict Matherin either. And you know, I'm a Ben Math guy. And so I do want to make this point because I'm not saying he would be able to do Jaden Ivey things. He's not as explosive with the ball in his hands as Jaden Ivey, but he may have been able to get to the rim more and had more opportunities had he played in a different system. And I do think he showed enough in ball screen situations, making reads and passes and all of those things to give you some confidence that maybe he does it down the road. Maybe not year one, but down the road. With all that said, the Pistons at number five, Ivy's now off the board along with the big three. You and Wes, okay, outnumbered me here. You guys both took Keegan Murray. I was at the the low end with just Ben Matherin. And so for our consensus Piston Pulse podcast mock draft, the Detroit Pistons did select your guy, Keegan Murray. They did. I mean, the Pistons are big fans of Keegan Murray. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, myself. And, I mean, I'm not the only beat writer that said it as well. But, you know, if Keegan Murray is there at five, like, you know, to me, the Pistons will have a hard time not taking him. And Keegan was also just so efficient, I mean, at Iowa last season, that stuff you want 
power forwards to be good at like 40% from three and pretty good volume. He took like 166 threes. Like I think, I think Jabari Smith took around 190 threes last season. And Jabari Smith is obviously the, the better shooter of the, the two shot a higher percentage, you know, can hit a wider variety of threes, but just purely as a catch and shoot, you know, or pick and pop, whatever it is. Like I think King is going to be firmly above average at that in the NBA, you know, so just him as a shooter, like he's firmly above average. Uh, he, he can attack closeouts. Like he is a freight train in transition. Like he's one of the best transition players in college basketball last season. Rebounds really well. The stuff you want, like a pretty good modern power forward to do. Like he, he does all those things extremely well and he's not going to take you off the dribble like Carmelo or anything, but uh, he just has very few holes in his game and, uh, to me, this isn't a great draft to take a swing in just because I just don't personally, I just don't feel quite good enough about Shane and Sharp and, and, and Ivy to justify taking them over a guy in, in Keegan where you just look at his game and it's like this guy's probably going to be an above average power for it. So uh, long term, yeah, Pistons don't need a second star next to Kate and, you know, Keegan may not have quite that level of upside, but. You know, I, I don't think you take a swing on an inferior basketball player just because he might become better in five years. Like, just take the guy who's good right now. Keegan Murray's going to be a good player. Like, uh, my stance is I would be more excited about Jaden Ivey or Benedict Matherin. I do think the ceiling is higher. Uh, that doesn't mean that Keegan – I don't even want that to sound like I don't think Keegan Murray has a high ceiling. Like, could he become a number two option? Absolutely. I just don't think the percentage chance that it happens is quite as high than – Benedict or Jay Nivey. That's just my personal opinion. You mentioned Shaden Sharp. We actually went unanimous there for the Pacers at number six with Shaden Sharp. We've talked about him plenty. Number seven, we went unanimous again to for the Portland Trailblazers. Benedict Matherin, how awesome would it be if the Pistons did end up with five and seven and got Keegan Murray and Benedict Matherin? That would be a home run draft, in my opinion. I would love that result for the Detroit Pistons. Let's pause here again at number eight. We went unanimous again for the Pelicans. We went Dyson Daniels, a guy who has really risen up draft boards. I like Dyson Daniels. He's a name that all of a sudden has become very popular with people in the Pistons community, Pistons Twitter, not necessarily the organization, but just those of us talking about Pistons on a daily basis on social media. What do you think about Dyson Daniels? And if somehow he were to come to the Detroit in some sort of trade, his fit with this organization and team. Yeah, I mean, he was a very, I think I think Dyson is just a very toolsy guy. Uh, he's got great size at the point guard position. Like he's at least 6'6". He might have measured in a little bit bigger. I think there's a report that he's actually a little bit closer to 6'7 or 6'8", which yeah. is, you know, just absolutely elite for a guy who really is a, 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 a true point guard. And the thing about Dyson, like I know there are some good comparisons to Scotty Barnes out there, but... You know, I was talking to somebody and they were like, well, Scotty is more of a secondary creator. And they were like, Dyson is a point guard. <laughs> like this guy will be a point guard in the NBA. Uh, you can put the ball in his hands. Like he's that level of playmaker. So whenever you're, you know, six, 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 seven, and, you know, you're that good at reading the floor. Like you're probably a top eight pick in most drafts kind of by default. Uh, so you, you kind of mix that in with his effort on defense. Like I think he got like a lot of deflections, a lot of steals. Like he's just got very good defensive instincts and he rebounds well. And I mean, yeah, like he's a guy that's going to be a productive NBA player. Uh, the thing for me is just he didn't shoot the ball well from three or at the line. So you kind of have to take him uh, and accept that on some level, he just may not be a guy who spaces the floor by any means or may not even be that big of a threat getting to the rim just because teams will just send him to the line and feel pretty good about it. So that kind of caps his upside a little bit. Uh, but if he can bump those things up, then, yeah, now obviously you're talking about a firmly above average NBA point guard. So there's some skill development there. 
I think the lack of shooting uh, makes him a poor fit next to Kate, you know, just because you're also getting a lot of the, the same strength Dyson gives you from Kate. <laughs> so, and you also also have Killian, you know, who's a good playmaker and, and def- defender. And I don't know if you can play Killian and Dyson together because now you have two non-shooters unless Killian comes out shooting 36% next season. Uh, so Dyson's a good player, good prospect. Just don't love him with the Pistons. No, I agree. And I, I think those two would terrorize people in the backcourt defensively, but they wouldn't scare a whole lot of people offensively unless there's been some talk and reports. And this is always hard to know how much you want to buy into it, that he was able to rework his shot and it's looked good in workouts and all those things. But until you see it in games, I don't know how much you can buy it. We talked a lot about comps, right, Omari? Me, you, and Wes in our group message, we had a long discussion the other day about comps and good ones and bad ones and lazy ones. And There's a lot of Killian Hayes I see in Dyson Daniels when I watch his game with the strengths and the weaknesses. So I don't hate the idea of him coming to Detroit, but I do think that that would probably mean that Killian Hayes was on his way out because I don't know that you need two of those guys in your rotation. Yeah, I mean, just similar strengths, similar weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. If you're the Pistons and you take Dyson uh, and you just know for a fact if you can't play Killian and Dyson together, then maybe that leads you to make some d- decisions and you don't have to do that right now. I mean, Killian somehow doesn't turn 21 <laughs> until the end of July. So he's still a lot younger than some of the guys in this draft. You you can just kind of, you know, run out the clock with Killian and see kind of what he develops into. But yeah, him and Dyson are very similar players, and just knowing you can't play them together leads you to believe that you'd have to make a decision one way or another, maybe faster than you would otherwise. All right, guys, we got six more picks here in our consensus mock draft. We are going to do that after this short break, along with our projected top five, what we think actually happens, not what we would do, and maybe just a little bit of NBA Finals Roundup. All right, hey, Carlos, just a quick idea. How about if I say, hey, this is Sean Windsor, and you say, hey, this is Carlos Maros, and I'll go, and then we'll go back. You want to you try that? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, you ready? Yep. Hey, this is Sean Windsor. And this is Carlos Menares. And we are the team behind Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean, where we are going to talk about, you guessed it, sports, but lots of other stuff. Like what, Carlos? Oh, we're going to talk about your favorite subject, Sean, food. Um, probably more food. Arts, culture, sports, TV, movies, you name it. If it's happened in Detroit, we're going to talk about it. And sometimes we're going to have guests in who obviously know a lot more than we do about just about everything. But we're going to have some free press journalists to talk about big stories, folks from the sports world. We're going to be out every Thursday. You can find this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We hope you'll join us. All right, everyone, we're back with segment three and only a handful of picks to go through now. Uh, So we're going to start off uh, at number nine with the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Me and uh, Bryce both picked Jalen Duran here. And then Wes uh, took a pretty big swing with uh, (laughs) Nikola Jovic. And uh, we could talk about that. But first, Jalen Duran. Now, he's a player I also think the Pistons like a lot, uh, you know, just being uh, probably the best pure center prospect in this draft. Uh, and, I mean, you know, the Spurs, I think this is a great value proposition for him too. But uh, I guess for you, Bryce, kind of, you know, I I think you're a fan of Jalen Durham, but I don't know if we talked about him a whole lot. Uh, for you, kind of what makes him a good pick here? 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy that he's young. One Omari, that's like that's the one thing. If you if you are someone that in age, you know, he's one of the younger prospects in the draft. Even though he did play this in college this last season, super athletic, rim runner, throw lobs defensively. I think he's going to be a presence. He can protect the rim, and I think he's going to be switchable eventually. I think there's a chance there. So I do think at this point in the draft. You're talking about a guy that is great value for the Spurs at number nine. West did kind of take a swing for the fence. I know he likes Jovic. Um, you know, he's a guy that's been mocked later in the draft. I don't know that I've seen him necessarily this high, but I don't think lottery is just crazy for him. It does. I do think there's going to be a surprise. And, you know, if there's a team that's going to do it, it's probably going to be the Spurs. We always seem to give them the benefit of the doubt because they're so good drafting and developing players. The Wizards had number 10 as we continue to move Amari. Johnny Davis, that's a guy that I know you've talked about a little bit more and more. Not a guy that I've done a lot of research on. Both you and I picked him for the Wizards. Wes actually went with A.J. Griffin, who we'll talk about in just a second. Real quick here, what do you like about Johnny Davis? I like a lot about Johnny. I mean, really, the, his only real flaw is that he didn't shoot the ball well. And I say only, I mean, that's a pretty big flaw when you're a you know 6'5 guard, but uh, he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the draft, which I love. He's one of those guys, I mean, you put a pick on him and he just kind of glides right through it. So just his defensive in, in intensity, I think he's definitely one of the best wing defenders in the entire draft. But just overall, just how productive he was. Like he grabbed like eight rebounds a game, which is elite for a six-five guard. Um, I think he's got pretty good touch, you know, at, at the rim and also from mid-range. Uh, he was a pretty good free throw shooter, got to the line at a high rate. Uh, so those are all green flags as far as him eventually being able to, uh, you know, stretch his uh, touch out from the three-point line. He also had to carry an absurdly heavy load <laughs> last season yes. at Wisconsin. <laughs> and typically guards who have to carry that big of a load don't shoot very well because if you're not, you know, like a Steph Curry level three-point shooter, I mean, you only have to be like Steph level, but it's just really hard to be efficient from three when you have to curate a lot of your own threes, you know, unless you're just an absolutely top-tier three-point shooter, which he probably won't be. But, you know, to me, you put him in the NBA, he has proper spacing, which he had absolutely zero in, at Wisconsin. I think they didn't have a single player shoot better than, like, 34%. Like, yeah, it, 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 it was, it was crazy. He wasn't so, working with a lot offensively. Yeah, so it's just it's just tough for me to look at the situation he was in and then say, oh, this guy's a bad shooter. Like, if he could shoot at the line, if he could shoot from mid-range, uh, he's probably going to be able to shoot pretty well from three. So I do think he'll the, the three-point shot will come. And before that in mind, like you end up with a shooting guard with pretty good size. He's a decent athlete. He gets to the line, hits free throws, rebounds, and also defends really well. So he's just a very good all-around option. And I know people say his best case scenario is probably like a Josh Hart type guy, but, you know, Josh Hart's a pretty good player. And I still do think that Johnny Davis has more upside just because he gets to the line at a higher rate. So, uh We'll see. Like, you know, I don't know if he's like an all-star type guy, but I do feel pretty good that he has a great chance to be an above average shooting guard. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a really interesting comp. I think Josh Hart maybe goes underappreciated at times. I think he's a really good NBA player. And if if Johnny Davis could be that with a a little bit more of a bucket, then that that would be a really good outcome for him because the defense, the rebounding, which is some things that Josh Hart does as well. I, I'm looking at this for the Knicks, and I, I'm starting to laugh a little bit, Omari, because if you remember back to our initial one we did with this, remember the Knicks jumped to, like, what, number three in that mock whenever we did the spin <laughs> live, and they got Paolo Bencaro. Now we're doing it today 
just a few days before the actual draft and we're ending up, we're going to send Jeremy Sohan. And, and I like Jeremy Sohan, but that, that's a huge drop off from Paolo Bancaro to Jeremy Sohan for the Knicks on the Pistons Pulse uh, mock draft. This was our first one where we actually all had a different answer. This was Wes actually won the tiebreaker. Omari, you were going to take Tari Eason. I was going to take AJ Griffin here. We did just a nice little scientific spin of a random wheel that I found on the internet to break the tie. So that's how we did it if you are interested. But these are guys now that truly would be in play for the Pistons if they get a late lottery pick in a trade or you know mid first round. Some of these guys are going to be there 10 through 15, 16, 17. And so I think there are some names here that would interest Pistons fans. What do you think about, let's talk about your guy, Tari Eason, that you, that you would have selected here for the Knicks. Yeah, I might be a little bit higher on Eason than the consensus. I think he's more of a, for what I've seen, he's probably more of, I mean, I guess I'm not that much higher on him. He's look, he's like a late lottery pick stash, you know, guy like 16 to 17 range. So he could go as high as 11, but probably not. Uh, but he's just he's just really toolsy. Uh, he's athletic. Uh, he's a really good defender. Uh, shot the three ball pretty well, although it was only on about 70 attempts. Uh, steals, blocks, good in the open floor. Uh, to me, I kind of look at him and I can kind of see him becoming like a Jeremy Grant type player if everything breaks out well for him. Again, just kind of going back to what I said earlier, you just look at the playoffs and, you know, you just see big wings who are toolsy and, um, you know, just having guys with like that type of two-way versatility, these guys end up becoming extremely valuable, like whether it's Grant Williams or, I mean, just whoever. I mean, you know, like all, all teams need those types of guys. And yeah, I just like his athleticism, like his defensive activity. Uh, he's going to have to sort of round out his offensive game a little bit more. And he's a bit of an older prospect too. He's 21. But like once you get outside like the top 10, really outside the top eight in this draft, I mean, you just have a lot of guys with a lot of warts, but I just feel like you could take Tari Eason and just feel good that he's going to be a pretty productive role player in, in some way. And at 11, that's pretty good value. Absolutely. So at number 12 for the Thunder, we are actually unanimous again. We all took the shooter out of Duke, A.J. Griffin. And, and it is interesting. Um, obviously, we're, we're talking about the Thunder here, but they may have got the two best shooters in the draft in our consensus mock with Jabari Smith Jr. and A.J. Griffin. So I don't know if Thunder fans would like those selections or not, but you're going to have shooting in Oklahoma City if uh, this is how it played out for them. Questions with A.J. Griffin, on-ball defense, some of those type of things, the athleticism, the medicals, but the shooting is tough to question. He shot at a very high level. And then at 13 for the Hornets, again, unanimous. Player that maybe is mocked to this team more than anybody else, any other player team uh, combination is Mark Williams to the Hornets at number 13. And that's because that team just seems to have such a hole at the five spot, even with former Piston Mason Plumlee there. Yeah, and Mark, I mean, yeah, he's going to be a good rim protector in the NBA. Uh, like, that's why you take him at 13. Uh, offensively, I, you know, I think his role maybe is a little bit more of a question mark. Uh, you know, like he's got the size and offensive to finish lobs. And, um, you know, maybe he's just a guy that you is really just a, a rim runner, uh, which is fine. He actually had decent touch, like at the line and from mid-range. So maybe he can even knock down some mid-range jumpers. Uh, yeah, again, like I don't know how high his upside is, but, you know, if you need a center, you know, he has a pretty good chance to become an above average center. And I feel like he's just a pretty safe pick, uh, you know, especially at 13. Like there's just not a lot of guys there that move the, the, the needle for me. So uh, just perfect fit, uh, perfect range um, to me if you're Charlotte. That's a, probably a pretty easy pick to make. 
I agree. And then to round out the mock draft, we were split again, 1-1-1. One, one, one. Amari, you tried to take Tari Eason again, yep. lost out on, on the spin. Wes took Ochai Abaji, the national champ out of Kansas. I think a guy that's going to be a good NBA player, be a part of a rotation. And I actually took Jaden Hardy. I, I'm higher on Jaden Hardy than I think a lot of people are. I think he's kind of a polarizing prospect. People either have him this high or into the first round. I think he's a bucket coming out of the G League with the G League Ignite. And so I think that's a guy that could go in with Cleveland, come off the bench, score buckets, especially if Colin Sexton ends up moving on, possibly to the Pistons. Yeah, uh, I guess the thing with Hardy is it just comes down to how much you believe in his shot. Uh, you know, he's not, a, he's, he's not a great defender, nor does he have necessarily great defensive size. Uh, but you know, but you look at his ball handling, and uh, he could certainly create good looks for himself. It's just can he actually finish them? You know, it doesn't really matter how open you are or uh, how well you get to the rim if you don't have the touch to actually make the shots. So uh, again, you know, it's the end of the lottery. Uh, you know, I think in this draft, it makes sense to take swing on guys who at least have the talent to do those types of things. And uh, Hardy, he was a potential top five pick uh, coming into the G League season. So you know, obviously, pretty highly recruited, highly touted. Uh, the, the the talent's there. It's just you look at his efficiency, and it's just like if this guy can't score, he's not going to give you anything in the NBA. You know, say he's a bad pick at fourteen, but again, I just lean toward Easton because I just think Easton's baseline is probably a little bit higher. Just as a guy who can at least cause some havoc defensively. Yeah, I mean, as I watched the film on Hardy, the, the inefficiency was obviously there. The numbers back it up. It did get better throughout the season, but there was just a lot of buckets where I'm like, man, I could see that translating to you know the NBA, even out of the G League. And it was different evaluating G League players because of who they're playing against compared to college guys. And you could tell the game resembled an NBA game a little bit more. I, I guess I'm just buying the scoring ability for him. But you're right. If it doesn't hit, then he's not bringing a whole lot else to the table. Before we talk just a little bit of NBA Finals since it did finish in Game 6, let's just go to the top five, Omari, and what we actually think will happen. That was based. That consensus mock was based a little bit more on what we would do. So who do you think the Magic take on Thursday night? You know, the winds are sort of blowing in Jabari Smith's direction. Uh, I'm still not convinced that they'll pass on Chet because when I was at the combine, it kind of sounded like Chet might have been in the lead a little bit more. Uh, but right now, it, do, it does look like Jabari Smith is probably – the favorite for them right now, uh, which makes sense because he's just an elite shooter at 6'10". And people talk about his ceiling, but I think his floor is pretty high too just because of how well he shoots it. Yeah, so my gut's telling me, Chet. So Oklahoma City, if Jabari Smith goes to the Magic at 1, Omari, Oklahoma City is taking? I do think Chet goes number two. Um, and there's some reporting out there that OKC is also pretty high on Jaden Ivey. And I think that if you just look at OKC's history and just the number of athletic guards that they've taken swings on uh on paper it does make sense that they would be intrigued by Jaden and ivy at two not to the safer pick is probably chet and if i had to put money on it i would put money on chet but wouldn't surprise me if that were like the first really big surprise of the draft with them going Jaden and ivy so i'm not gonna <laughs> predict that on the pot but i'm curious about that you mean i can't tweet that out right now i can't go to twitter <laughs> and say omari sankofa is report no uh, that would be a surprise of the draft. I think that would shake things up right away. And then that would put the Pistons in a really interesting situation because now one of the top three is at least going to fall to four. You think about making a move up to four. That would be interesting. You and I just have the top two flip, Chet and Jabari, who we think is going to go there. So I assume at number three, we're going to be the same. Paolo Bencaro for you, Amari. You think that's what happens for the Rockets? 
Oh, yeah, there's no question. I don't think there's anyone else there that really moves the needle enough for Houston, especially considering Jaden Ivey and Jalen Green probably aren't quite as good of a fit as Ben Carroll and Jalen Green. Yeah, I think Paulo, again, is a really good fit with Jalen Green in Houston. I actually really like that. I know people like Singoon down there, and they think they already have their Paulo Bancaro. Uh, for me personally, I think that's crazy. But who am I to know about the Houston Rockets roster? Sacramento Kings at number four, Omari. This is where the draft really starts, unless Jaden Ivey goes number two all of a sudden. What do you think actually happens with Sacramento? You've alluded to it just a little bit. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think there's a good chance they probably trade the pick, just because I think that is the most logical outcome for them, if they're really dead set on competing So there's season. no way that actually happens if that's the logical outcome. <laughs> well, that would be the proper assumption that, you know, the Kings probably will do something people don't expect. Uh, but I think if they, you know, just assume that they keep the pick, uh, none of the trades really move the needle. I, I would guess they probably go with Keegan Murray. Uh, just, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but it just doesn't seem like their general team building philosophy supports them taking Jaden Ivey right now. So Keegan Murray, I would, I would guess Ke- Keegan Murray for sure. Okay. And so that essentially for the Pistons at five, we're looking at Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray, whichever one is left on the board is what you think will happen. Yeah, yeah, between those two, if Keegan goes for, and I did say earlier that it was like 45, 45, Murray and <laughs> Ivy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, still a, a coin flip for this exercise. Like, I'm just not going to go with what's logic going to take the best player available and just more so probably what makes the most sense for them. And that's Keegan, which would leave Ivy for the Pistons, which uh, I know a lot of Pistons fans are very happy about. Is Ben Matherin truly in play at all? Because essentially Ivy or Murray has to be there. Like, and if they're not, they went ahead and then one of the big three is there. So is Ben math. Do you think he's actually in play? Like, is, is there a 5% chance? Is there a 10% chance? I, I know it's hard to pr- put a percentage to it, Amari, but do you think there's any chance that he gets selected at number five by the Pistons? I think there's a chance for sure. Okay. You know, I don't know what percentage chance I'll put on it, but you know, I do expect that the Pistons will have conversations about, you know, just the upside of taking Ben Matherin there, uh, just because I do think that they like him a lot. You know, the fit with Kate Cunningham is pretty obvious. And, like, long term, you're probably asking yourself fewer questions about if you made the right choice as you would with Ivy. You know, just given that long term, there probably is a realistic chance that Ivy and Kate don't fit. And I think the eyes of Kate and Matherin not fitting are slim to none. I mean, that should, that, that should fit like a glove, so... Yeah, I mean, Pistons, you're in a rebuild. You don't want to draft for fit. You want to draft for upside. And that's why Ivy probably makes more sense on paper. But if you're not convinced that Ivy's going to breach his upside, then some of the matter makes a lot more sense. So there's a, a, a chance for sure. I, I really don't know what percentage I would put on it, but I do think they like Matherin enough to consider taking him at five for sure. What about Shaden Sharp? Is, is that momentum kind of slowed it seems like in general it has not necessarily just with the pistons but in general and i know they brought him in for a workout we talked about that earlier they're they're bringing a lot of guys in for a workout would you put the percentage chance of shaden sharp at number five higher or lower than that of benedict matherin sharp is just such a wild card that like i like i'll say my read on it is that sharp is in the mix but i don't know if sharp has done anything to separate himself right so if you look at what Ben Math did at Arizona for two seasons. Uh, he's very clearly a plus athlete, could very clearly shoot the ball, uh, you know, could very clearly pass a little bit. And then for Sharp, it's just high school workouts and 
of what he's done in interviews and, you know, and, and obviously far less rigorous workouts, uh, pre-draft workouts. Uh, I think just the general lack of information with Sharp uh, just makes him a much riskier prospect. And if you're the Pistons, you don't want to draft a bus with this pick. Like you want to get a player who is productive with this pick. Like I know that there's logic that you take the biggest upside swing possible because you need a second star. Me personally, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm there yet. You know, like I like Sharp as a prospect, but if you have Matter in there, Matter probably just makes more sense because you know exactly what you're getting and, you know, Sharp. If everything breaks right for Sharp, he might just be Ben Math, honestly. <laughs> you know, like on like you know they, they have a lot of the same strengths, and it's easier to reject Matron's game because we saw him do it against higher quality competition than what uh, Sharp had when he was in high school. So, like I would think Math probably has an edge just because he is a lot safer. You know, and the thing with Sharp is that you have to feel pretty good about him becoming better than Ben Math. And I don't know if Sharp's done anything to show that he could be better than Ben Math, given that. I, I, I don't think he had a bad workout, but he also wasn't like the best player on on the on the floor during this workout, from what I heard. So, hey, I, I love all the bid math love from you. Like you're building them up. I didn't even <laughs> have to. I didn't even have to sound crazy on this episode. <laughs> Before we go, Amari, Warriors are NBA champs again. There's so many storylines coming out of this, and we can spend July and August, whenever you know, content is tough to come by, talking about some of those. I just want to talk about this one thing. How much fun is Stephen Curry to watch play basketball? He is probably not only the fun NBA player to watch of my lifetime. He might just be the most fun athlete, period. Like, I just don't know if there's a guy who ever reached that level of entertainment. I mean, yeah, like Tom Brady in the Super Bowl is up there. Um, I mean, you know, like there are are players who are probably in in the conversation. But for me personally, I think Steph Curry is the most enjoyable athlete I've ever watched. and It's not even close, man. Like, when he gets into a groove, like – nothing else comes close. He just completely dismantles teams in a way that, and of course I wasn't alive for Michael Jordan, but yeah, I'd like, I'd, I mean, I've watched a lot of the LeBron, but I don't know if LeBron's ever had performances that just inspire as much wonder, you know, and that sounds kind, kind of cheesy, but like, but that's Steph. I mean, just the stuff he does out there is insane. So uh, there's all this debate about whether or not Steph's top 10. I think in 10 years, we'll be wondering if he's top five, honestly. Like, I think he's, changed the game that 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 much of his impact has been that big like he's the most impactful nba player probably of the last 20 years by far yeah i mean he he has literally changed the way the game is played do you think it has to do with the physical stature and, and i don't want this to turn into like lebron hate i'm not saying i'm not taking anything away from lebron or Giannis or kd or joel like anybody but like there is something that adds to it the fact that he is his height, not super athletic, not this bouncy guy. Like there is just something that adds to it for me that he's the guy doing this, dominating the game of basketball at the highest level that makes it so much fun to watch. Do you feel the same way? Like it's just, it's not solely based on skill, but there's just so much skill and, and the art and the way he plays the game that is just so enjoyable. Yeah, I think with stuff, there is always a sense of, how is he doing this? You know, yes, like he's yes. you know, like he's six three, not like uh, athletic in the sense that he's like extremely bouncy and he's going to dunk at you or anything. Uh, like you watch like John Morant and it's like you know he he is like a super exciting player, but he jumps out the gym and we've seen the John Morant archetype before, right? Like we've seen athletic guards who can jump out the gym, like Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook. You know, it's not John's not doing anything new; he's just doing it at a high at a high level. Um, but with Steph. 
you know, like when he's taking step back threes at 35 feet, pulling up from 40 feet. Also extremely, extremely efficient at the rim. People say he's the best shooter ever, and he is, but he's just one of the, one of the best all-around scorers, period. I mean, you know, his efficiency at the rim has always been extremely high uh, just because he's just got great touch, period, from everywhere on the court, whether it's at the rim or from 40 feet, whatever. Like, he is an elite player, and it, and he's just so so shifty. Like, his change of direction, his ball handling, just from, like, a pure skill standpoint, he, there is an argument that, and I say pure skill, uh, say it, he, say it. I agree. He's the it. most skilled NBA player ever. Yeah. It, I, I don't disagree whatsoever. Like, because it's not just shooting. His shooting is so good that I think we almost underappreciate other aspects of his game. Yeah. And he doesn't have any physical gifts at all. He just has world-class balance. Like, I think if you're talking about, like, balance as an NBA skill, he might have the best balance of all time. You know, like, just the way he's able to his ball handling isn't even like as flashy as Kyrie's, but it's just devastatingly functional. You know, like, like he's just devastatingly functional. I love it. Like that's like the best way I could put it. Like, he's not going to like necessarily drop you to the floor of his crossover, but like, he's just skilled. Like I, like I, like I don't think we'll ever see another Steph Curry again, like a six, three dude who can just do everything. Right. Like he completely maximized every single ounce of the ability that was <laughs> given to him. Like he has no inherent physical gifts. Like, I don't know if his hand size is like Hawaii Leonard. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what I point to. He's just the best shooter of all time and above average enough at everything else that you can combine that with the fact that you have to defend him as soon as he crosses half court. Um, and yeah, like he's probably the most devastating offensive player ever, especially when you consider that he doesn't have Shaq's size and strength. You know, he doesn't have LeBron's athleticism. He's just a 6'3 dude who just has world-class balance, world-class touch, and can shoot from anywhere on the floor. Like, I don't think we're going to see this again. Yeah, and and I don't take away from him, and I know you're not, but, like, the, the amount of work it took, because you don't, you're not born a shooter. You become a great shooter countless hours in the gym shooting, dribbling, and you know that guy is a tireless worker. So um, that's probably enough Steph Curry love <laughs> for one episode. And I do just want the listeners to know what it, it, it we went through all sorts of hoops. We have five different takes to get this episode put together. Amari, I think, got kicked out of two different libraries. Wes had a <laughs> Wes just bought a home and he had to put his uh new home project on hold. Like he has a new project every week. Amari, don't buy a home, Amari, because every day Wes texts me with a new project he's working on. My dad's gonna be mad at me because I've been out of the harvest field for an hour and a half now. So we we put in some sacrifice, guys, to get this episode out, but I guarantee you we wouldn't want to be doing anything else we love this we love our listeners we love the sports continue to reach out let us know what you think about the podcast rating comment review all of that stuff and remember friday morning we will have a shorter but we will have an episode for you recapping thursday night's nba draft we're going to stay up super late but we're going to get that out for you so make sure you turn in friday morning omari take it away my friend yeah, we'll be right back here in a few days. So excited to touch back right after the draft with you all. And this was by far the hardest episode we had to record. They're probably going to kick me out of the library again. So like, <laughs> stuck into the children's section because there's nobody here. And the other part of the library has a bunch of people trying to keep it quiet. So uh, before I get kicked out for clearly not being a child, uh, thanks to our editor, Carrie Jr. II, our executive producer, Anjanette Delgado, and our other executive producer, Kirkland Crawford. Also, shout out to Wes, uh, who we will get back into the fold very, very soon. Again, thank you all for listening and excited to check back on Friday when we're on the other side of the 2022 draft. <laughs>